0: Well, uh, this morning we're gonna talk about a subject that I think we're all aware of, but sometimes I think we take for granted. Um, It was birthed in our Sunday school class, Dispatches from the Front. Uh, One of the videos, uh, there was a young lady who, uh, she had been saved, she was from a Muslim family, and um, she described it as it being a war for her soul. Uh, And that triggered a thought, uh, it truly is a war for our souls. Um, there are a biblical truth and a spiritual reality that there are two kingdoms uh, battling over us. One is a a kingdom of darkness, and one is a kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven. I am unprepared, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So, it'll get better. Um, So yeah, spiritual reality. It's around us. Uh, We take it for granted. A lot of times I think as Christians, um, we'll get more into that. But um, today's passage is a very topical message. It's based loosely on Ephesians 6, um, 10 to 18. We'll go with 11 to 16, but it's 10 to 18. Uh, You may not know off the top of your head, but that's the the passage on uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, specifically the armor of God. So if you'd rise with me, we'll read the passage, and then we'll dig in. Paul writes, Finally be strong in the Lord and in His great power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world, That is why you need to put on God's full armor. Then, on the day of evil, you will be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. So stand strong with the belt of truth tied around your waist and the protection of right living on your chest. On your feet, wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong. And also use the shield of faith with which you can stop all of the burning arrows of the evil one. Accept God's salvation as your helmet And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all of God's people. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we commit ourselves to you this morning. Uh, We acknowledge that there is a spiritual war going on around us at all times. Uh, Lord, help us to be aware of what's going on, to be mindful, to be sober and vigilant um, to, to the powers uh, of darkness, um, but also be mindful of what you've given us in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so Lord, this morning, as we dive in, um, I just pray, uh, I thank Richard for his prayer, just as always, just the, that the words would come out right, that your message would not be hindered by anything that I do or say, but that your truth would land home in our hearts Uh, and to do that again we just ask for open ears open minds uh, lord and a willingness at the end to not just be hearers uh, but to apply what we hear Uh, in jesus name we pray amen you can be seated so again there is a war going on right now between these two kingdoms christian it's a war that we often pay lip service to, we have a, a mindset that we, we know that there's a, a devil, we know that there's uh, the, the kingdom of good, Jesus, God, heaven, um, but I think pragmatically too often that we forget that it's occurring, and, and we live as peacetime people. Uh, in our culture especially, we've been lulled to sleep by our prosperity, and the relative lack of persecution. And the fact that we're asleep doesn't negate that the fact that there is a war. I remember uh, a previous church, I won't mention its name. If you know me, I I can tend to be kind of frugal. Um, I know we have to spend money uh, to keep lights on and and provide chairs, Um, but it kind of drives me crazy with the thought of warfare in mind, we should be outfitting a, a battleship. We should be outfitting troops, training them for the battle. And I remember one uh, we called them family meetings, um, you know families are dysfunctional sometimes, so you, you can imagine how they went. Oftentimes I, I'm kind of, um, when I'm very opinionated, the elders will tell you this in, in their meetings, if I've got a strong opinion, I can come across very animated, you might call me a jerk. <laughs> Uh, there was a meeting, we were talking about the, the cost of the lighting and the, and the sound equipment, um, and I made my opinion no, and afterwards someone came up to me and said, hey man, we're not at war. And I remember thinking to myself, and that exactly right there is the problem. We're out, outfitting a cruise ship and not a battleship. So again, we're, we're all familiar, if you've been a Christian for long enough, uh, even, even non-Christians, Here the terms and and, uh, the forces of good and evil, the opposing sides. Um, And again, the Bible is quite clear uh, of who both actors are and their objectives. I'm only going to spend a brief amount of time on who they are and what the characteristics are. Um, But first we have the kingdom of darkness. On one side, uh, our passage in Ephesians here, uh, it tells us, uh, it gets right to the point as to who the identity of the adversary is. Um, in verse 11, it tells us, I skipped a little bit. Uh, it, it tells us right off that we fight against the devil's evil tricks, evil tricks. And we know that the devil is Satan. Uh, this is the one that, again, Jesus referred to as the ruler of this world. Paul referred to as the God of this world or age. Now, I know different faith traditions. Uh, I want to point out real quick that the word for world in, in the passage in John, which Jesus used as cosmos. It can be used as the physical realm, our planet. Uh, so it could be taken as the ruler of this world, this present world. Uh, I'm not gonna defend, I'm not gonna go into theology of it, uh, but it can also be, be taken as the ruler of this worldly system, the, the people uh, that, that inhabit this, this planet. Uh, And it seems to be backed up by Paul's usage then, the world, uh, uh, the God of this world. Some of your translations will say the God of this age. So uh, again, I'm not going to get into the theology of that. That's a a topic for its own self, and I don't have time to unpack it. But the implication again is that Satan holds sway over the worldly systems and the inhabitants of the earth. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 seems to confirm this, and this is the direction I, I would take it is that the world of which we as believers for, uh, are a part, we at w- one time followed the prince of, of darkness, the prince of the power of the air, which again is, is Satan. So Paul notes that the kingdom of darkness is now at work uh, between the cross and the consummation when Christ returns. And those who don't know Christ are, are being manipulated uh, by this kingdom of darkness. Well, our passage uh, back in Ephesians 6 uh, goes on in verse 12 to tell us that it's not just Satan, but he seems to have a a structure in place, a, a power structure, because it mentions that there are rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark kingdom. And again, it specifically notes that there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I put John, uh, 1 John 2.16 up there. Um, so the spiritual powers, and uh, we, we know this from also Matthew, um, Matthew where Jesus says, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the spiritual realm, uh, these, these battles are taking place and they manifest physically in our physical world. Again, we're we're familiar with certain characteristics of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, John 3.16, or 3.19, excuse me. uh, 3.16 is a good verse. 3.19, not so much. People love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. And that's what it comes down to, the kingdom of darkness, evil deeds, kingdom of light. Uh, This is everything that's good and true and pure and right that we're told to think on. Um, John 3.19 tells us that people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. The natural man is dead. He's dead in sin. Now, what are some of the characteristics of the kingdom of darkness? Again, I don't want to spend too much time here. Uh, Sin, deception, spiritual blindness. Deception, we think of, um, that's what Satan did in the Garden of Eden. Uh, He tried to convince Eve that you will be enlightened. Well, it's a thin line between being enlightened and deceived. So we know that's one uh, one characteristics, char- characteristic of the kingdom of darkness, the, the ability and the desire to deceive us and to keep us in bondage. First uh, Corinthians 2.14, I didn't put it on the screen, but it, it tells us that the things of the spirit can't be discerned by the natural man. It's impossible for the natural man to understand the spiritual things. Well, then we come to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, what about the kingdom of heaven? I think we're all much more familiar. That's where we, we spend most of our time, rightly so, I think, uh, dwelling on um, what we have in Christ. We know that Christ is our Redeemer. I appreciate the song we just sang. Um, I appreciate Bo with Communion reminding us that Christ, it was, it was, a, it was a, uh, expensive. A, a, it cost a, a lot uh, for what Christ did on our behalf. Um, Again, we know that Christ is our redeemer and that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Uh, What else do we know? We know that there are legions of angels at his beck and call. Uh, We know that the kingdom is at once both a location, um, God is currently seated on his throne there, but it's also represented in and through a people, people who call on the name of Christ it's the classic example of now but not yet so again what began at the cross uh, will be consummated at Christ's return and in the meantime the kingdom of God is near Jesus says that in in Luke uh, did I skip it Luke 17 20 to 21 um, it says the coming of the kingdom of God he's speaking to the Pharisees is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. The Holy Spirit indwelling us uh, is the advance of the kingdom in this present time to be consummated when Christ return at the the fullness of time uh, and institutes his kingdom. Then the kingdom of heaven will be uh, 100% in our midst. But for now, it's a now but not yet. Uh, we're also familiar with the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. Um, such things as truth and love and justice and mercy and grace and compassion, kindness, self-control, long-suffering. Again, all of these are attributes of the kingdoms, kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So any comparison of these two kingdoms creates a stark contrast. Uh, one that I think Jesus summed up succinctly in John ten ten, that says, you, "You know the verse: the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly." So, a quick side by side comparison of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of of um, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, really quickly, uh, Satan we know is the adversary, Jesus is the advocate, Uh, Satan accuses before God, Jesus intercedes before God. Uh, Satan we know is a liar, and deceiver, Jesus is the truth. Uh, Satan's kingdom is um, represented by anger, wrath, and bitterness, Uh, Jesus is mercy, peace, and comfort. Uh, Satan promises freedom, Jesus makes slaves free. The one that I want to key on today is the last one. Um, Satan exalts himself, and that results in man's ruin. Jesus humbled himself, resulted, resulting in man's redemption. See, Satan hates us. More, he hates God. While J- Jesus truly loves and seeks to, seeks to rescue the souls of men from the adversary... Again, he, he, Jesus came to give his life. Now, this may be controversial, but I, I'm thoroughly convinced it's true. Uh, maybe you've never thought of it this way. I think Satan's interests in our souls, he, he doesn't care about Mike Webb. He doesn't care about Bo Kilby individually. There are very few people that Satan cares about individually. I think Satan's, we are a byproduct Of Satan's ultimate goal and that is he wants to usurp God's kingdom he wants to usurp God's throne we there are two Old Testament passages I don't have time to go there you can write them down Isaiah 14 12 to 15 Ezekiel 28 11 to 19 see Satan's downfall was his pride and his desire again is to usurp God's authority to usurp God's kingdom as he does that, we are, again, byproducts. Uh, what do they call them? Um, uh, casualties of war, so to speak, uh, in that. Now, I think there are some. I think um, Seven Sons of Sheba, I believe, uh, where they're trying to cast out demons. And uh, what, is the, what did the demons say? Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? If we're not actively engaging in warfare with satan's kingdom i don't think he cares he could not care less who we are now his goal is to take people from the kingdom of heaven keep people from the kingdom of heaven and in that sense yes he is he is capturing souls and, and um, in that sense he cares about uh, our souls but we i think we're just again casualties of war in that case You think about Satan's original position in the kingdom of heaven and the reasons for his expulsion. It was his pride. We know that he was an exalted angelic being who became proud. And it was his insatiable desire for prominence, desiring the glory which belongs only to God, which led to his expulsion. And again, in his pride, he determined to take the throne of God for himself uh, and keeping others from being with God forever. So... While I I wrote the objective is the battle of souls, uh, I think for the kingdom of darkness, that's only a half-truth. It's really a desire to usurp God's kingdom. 1 Peter 5, 8 does remind us um, that as a part of Satan's continuing ambition to replace God um, is his passionate yearning to have others worship him. And 1 Peter tells us that we need to be sober-minded. We need to be watchful and vigilant. Uh, because Satan is seeking whom he can devour and to capture men's souls uh, for his own kingdom. And again, I think that's why Peter reminds us of the need to not just pay lip service to uh, the spiritual reality of warring kingdoms, uh, but to honestly and pragmatically do something about it. Be alert, be vigilant. Well, again, I don't think the kingdom of darkness is technically interested in our soul. Uh, it's more about gathering and, and expanding his own king, kingdom. Um, and it, he does this by, by promising truth. We know that sin uh, promises all, all kinds of things. Um, but instead of promising, uh, fulfilling the promises, they, they deliver us into conquest, to oppression and ultimately to slavery, to sin. Uh, and we know that if the lost If, if, not if, when uh, Jesus is is, uh, named as Savior and claimed as Savior, uh, Satan's kingdom is gone. He loses, he loses converts, he loses prisoners of war, so to speak. Uh, The battle would be over because he would have lost. And so Satan will do anything to keep us from having the light. Um, The verse that talks he has blinded those people to the truth. Uh, they cannot see. They're kept in darkness. Uh, but again, I think that he's more interested in keeping his kingdom. So, again, it's a spiritual battle that manifests in the physical realm. The Christian is to manifest the character and conduct of our Lord. Uh, and then the non-Christian manifests the character and conduct of their father, Satan. Satan. It's a very stark contrast, one that's obvious. Well, again, thankfully, Christ has given us everything we need to wage war uh, in this battle. You know what, I should back up. Um, I I said that the the kingdom of darkness is not interested in your soul, and that's directly in contradiction to we know that Christ, uh, it's not so much kingdom building. It's a desire, it's a true desire out of love to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Christ does care about us individually. We know scripture after scripture where he talks about uh, knowing the hairs on our head. Uh, If a sparrow falls, how much more valuable are us? Christ cares about us as individuals. And then by extension, the kingdom of God grows, right? Uh, But it's not kingdom building for the sake of kingdom building as it would be for the powers of darkness. Again, it's a spiritual war that's manifest in the physical realm. We think of um, Job automatically. Um, Satan had to go to to God. God is the authority. Man was given dominion of this planet. Um, uh, We we gave that up uh, at the fall, Um, and so, while Satan has dominion of this worldly system, God is still in control. So uh, Satan has to go to get the permission. But again, uh, you think about the, the impetus of the battle for, for Satan, uh, for Job, I mean. It, Satan didn't care a thing about Job, so to speak. It was more of a, uh, a, a thumb in the eye at God. You think Job serves you because he didn't care about Job. He cared about having Job sin against God. Again, it's, a, it's the kingdom aspect, of uh, uh, the kingdom of darkness. So again, uh, Christ has given us everything we need to wage this war. Uh, we again go back and we see the elements listed in uh, Ephesians verses 13 to 17. Um, Bo reminded us that we've been given the Holy Spirit. Uh, we haven't been left alone. Um, again, for, for example, we, we know that Satan's Goal is to deceive, and that he's a liar. So what has God given us? He's given us the belt of truth so that we can withstand. Uh, as Thessalonians, where it talks about uh, the elect would be deceived. Well, only if we allow ourselves to be deceived. If we're clothed properly, we cannot be deceived. Um, again, with the belt of truth, we're able to resist the devil. Um, again, while we, we've been given the tools, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. We've been given the tools to stand firm. Uh, our ultimate victory is only found in Christ and his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. They've broken the power of the kingdom of darkness. Uh, we don't no longer have to be slaves to sin uh, because we are joint heirs in the kingdom of God. Colossians 1.13, I love this verse. Uh, I know we've been in Colossians 3, uh, but 1.13, He has delivered us, who? Christ, has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Romans 5, 6 through 8, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, because we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from God's wrath. So he's given us the tools to stand, but it's ultimately his victory that paves the way for us to go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven. It's only through his sacrifice that that's possible. And the amazing thing to me as we read this is that he did this for us while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of God, he did this for us. I think every time I speak I tell you that there's one verse that I commonly go back to. Uh, anybody remember? Romans 12:1? thank you, Carol. Romans 12:1. one, uh, when I think of what's due us, uh, in light of his great mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. That is our reasonable act of worship. It came at a great price. The least we can do is offer ourselves to him as soldiers in this war Now, I'll I'll close by asking three questions this morning. Um, The first is, where's your allegiance, Christian? Matthew 6, 24 tells us that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money, in this case, a literal translation is money. But we know that money is The worldly system, that's what we're all about, right? Um, Money, power, success, they're all being chased. We can't serve the God of this world and God at the same time. It's impossible. So Christian, I just ask, where's your allegiance? Are you serving God or are you serving the God of this world? Matthew 6.33 leads into my second question is are you actively engaged in the war or are you AWOL? Again, pragmatically, intellectually, we know that there's a war. We, we talk about it all the time, the powers of good and evil. Uh, we know Satan and, and Jesus. We, we, we know this intellectually, but pragmatically, too often, I talked about a cruise ship earlier, uh, we've forgotten that there's a war. Uh, we're, we're lounging on a beach, unaware of the conflict going on around us. And I think that that leads back to the Old Testament where, where God says to the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. When you enter the land flowing with milk and honey, what was going to happen? You're going to forget me. And I think that's exactly where we are in this country. It takes an intentional effort, staying in the word, staying in prayer. Jesus has given us the tools, the spiritual armor to do this. It's, a, it's just a question of will we, will we do it? Will we submit Where are you, Awol? Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God has to be our first focus. Now, when it says seek first, that's chronologically, and that's in order of importance, um, our priorities. The kingdom of God has to be the first thing that we look for. My final question, then, is have you allowed yourself to be conscripted back into the kingdom of the army of darkness. Now, I'm not talking about losing salvation. I don't think um, once saved is always saved, but if you're exhibiting the characteristics of the kingdom of darkness, it's fair to ask yourself, am I saved? If you find yourself angry, bitter, wrathful, jealous, envious. I, I listed them off earlier. If that's, your, if that's your normal mode of operation, you have to ask yourself, um, I'm either not saved or I've given myself back into the kingdom. And if that's the case, hey, Luke, Jesus in Luke, no one who puts the hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. It's not gonna happen. If we're exhibiting character traits, I need to get my own way Uh, I'm name-calling. You fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. Attributes of the kingdom of darkness. You are not fit for the service of the king. So you have to ask yourself, have I given myself back? Have I put myself in chains again? Am I a POW in this war? So I'm just asking. Um, It's not a loss of salvation. Uh, You're either saved or you're not, but it's fair to ask uh, if you find yourself... Manifesting these behaviors? um, Am I back in shackles? Have you gotten sloppy in your walk? Um, Is there a tendency to skirt the truth? Again, the list of attributes are there, uh, and it just needs to, you just need to go back and and examine yourself. Uh, I think of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. The key attribute of the kingdom of heaven is love. How well do we stack up against that? Are we holding grudges? Only you can answer that, but I'll just throw the challenge out there. Uh, If the answer to any of these is yes, I suggest you go back and read Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Look at the armor, Check. use it as a checklist if you have to. It's probably enough beating you up, right? I'll leave you with one final thought. Um, as I read our passage from Ephesians, I sense an almost defensive posture in, in Paul's language. I mentioned this in Sunday school class. Uh, several don't agree with me, but that's okay. When I read it, words like stand firm, um, uh, when we read about the, the shield quenching the fiery darts, I, I almost get a picture of, uh, uh, you know, just setting in and, and ready. I know we've given an offensive weapon, the sword, but it's almost to me when I read this, it's meant to parry uh, as we're being attacked. Um, and I, I just it, it strikes me um, that Paul, if you want to visualize the armor Paul had, who was he talking about? And it was the Roman soldier. The Roman soldiers' armature, uh, their weapons, they were, um, they were made so that, that they provided an almost impenetrable defense. Um, I, I'm not gonna run through each of the, the items in the list, but uh, we know that the shoes had spikes in them so that they could literally hold their ground when they're being pushed back. Uh, they would not move. Their shields, when they interlocked, were nearly impenetrable, both from ground level and, and anything that was coming from above. Uh, it was almost like a turtle shell when they, when they locked together. So it was, their armor was uh, very, very good for defensive purposes, uh, nearly impenetrable again. But I know from history that the Roman army was not only content to fight defensive wars. Uh, the Roman army, as it would imply, started in Rome, right? And we know the Roman Empire did not stay the size of Rome. Uh, by the time Paul wrote... Uh, I think uh, the the peak was about 117 AD under Emperor Trajan, where the Roman Empire spread from England to Spain to uh, the Middle East to Africa. It was the largest empire the world had ever seen because the Roman army was just brutally efficient, tactically superior to all the other armies of the time. And so they were able to expand their kingdom almost at will. So again, um, I, I think of Matthew 5, 14, 15. If the Roman army was called to expand their kingdom uh, and they were given this armory, ar- armor, perhaps the kingdom of God should be expanding as well. And it should be. Matthew 514 to 15. We've been given this armor not simply for defensive purposes. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven yes the armor protects us from satan's wiles we will be attacked we will be attempted to be deceived we wear the armor to keep that from happening but it's also to allow us to go out into the world, to spread the kingdom of heaven, uh, the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit. Um, that's our role. That's our role. The Lord cares about souls. We should care about souls as well. Uh, and it's been given to us to take that mission out. Uh, we're to occupy until he returns, when all things will be brought into captivity to him and every knee will bow to him, including the fallen angels who will bow in submission to his authority. I just returned to the observation we made earlier regarding the the main objectives of both kingdoms. The kingdom of heaven is concerned with the souls of the lost. So Christian, as a citizen of that kingdom, that should be our main concern as well. Uh, We should be a force mobilized and armored up for battle with an offensive mindset. And the result of our rescue efforts will be the expansion of the kingdom. That's what drives our actions, or should drive our actions. We love the one who rescued us, and we in turn join the mission, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, setting aside our own desires and ambitions, our own kingdoms, to join him in rescuing others. We have been saved to the kingdom of God, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of those who remain captive to the kingdom of darkness. Again, returning to the videos in our Sunday school class, um, the thought occurs that if it truly is Satan's desire to keep people in darkness, and we read in Ephesians that it's not people that we fight against, then instead of looking at those that are lost as enemies, uh, maybe it's helpful to look at them as POWs. Maybe a rescue mission is in, in order. I, uh, I was thinking about this again this morning. I'm going to start rambling here in a second. Um, I was thinking about it this morning, and I remember a former president uh, referred to certain countries as the axis of evil. Uh, One of those was North Korea. Now, a physical illustration of of the spiritual, I I think, Um, is it the North Korean people that we should be angry at? The answer is no, right? That's an easy one. Uh, It's the... it's the powers that be it's the authorities uh over them that uh, news blackout if you want to look at it that way that keeps them deceived um so a rescue mission is in in order there uh not the the anger towards the people but anger at the powers and authorities that are over them uh i'll just close again i know i've said that three times now Uh, A following quote from from Ray Steadman, I just thought it was powerful, it says, The fundamental nature of Christianity is that it is a warfare in which we are all involved and there is no exit until the end. The battle is to live redemptively among those who have lost their way, to turn them away from that which is destroying, to be involved with them and to give yourself in order to bring them back into a relationship with truth and reality. The warfare is to live your life for a purpose, not merely to spend it on yourself. And again, contrast that with the kingdom of darkness uh, and those who serve it. They're only concerned with kingdom building. Like their father, they desire to be their own gods. Like their father, they want their own way. And Satan's happy to let it happen. Uh, In fact, he encourages it. Uh, When those lost to darkness continue as slaves to sin and idolatry, they're not serving God and they're not a part of his kingdom. So it comes down to a choice, ultimately. Uh, Jesus tells us, uh, or, or James tells us, you adulterous people, adulterous because we're worshiping something other than God, do you not know that friendship with the world, there's the word again, cosmos, the worldly systems that are in place is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Simple choice, folks. And I just pray that, like Joshua, we make the right choice, but if you re- refuse to serve the, God, the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, who they served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in, those land, uh, in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.